Kapow Radio Show. Hello, everybody. This is Miss Kapow, and it's January 13th, 2020, 2020, 2020. <laughs> okay, what we decided to do today was continue on the um, uh, teaching that we did like a couple of weeks ago on the words uh, in your mouth, chewing the words, ingesting the words so that they go inside your belly and they become truth. Mm-hmm. That the truth enters you through your hearing or through your sight. The words of faith. Yeah, and, and that you have to declare and proclaim those words. You have to speak it into existence. And they are words of faith or the word of faith to then make it so within. And we showed you several scriptures. We were pretty much in Romans 10, 9, I believe. Mm-hmm. But there's a couple. Um, well, since we had done that teaching, it had uh, blessed and inspired several people, which is really nice. Yes, praise the Lord um, for that. Yeah, to the point where they, um, you know, they were really blessed by it. So that's good. And I got a couple of emails here. I just want to uh, go over from from a couple of, our, of the listeners that uh, commented on that show and uh, wanted either further clarification or had s- some input. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to continue to talk about it. There's a bunch of other scriptures that go with this. You could be here all day talking about uh, faith and what you speak. But one of the um, one of our listeners, Claudio from Canada, uh, was doing a study in Second Chronicles twenty at the same time, and he thought it would go real well with what we we're talking about, and uh, it certainly does. But one of the things he asked was that if we could explain the difference between speaking out our faith and that divination that rec- that masquerades as faith in the word of faith movement and how to tell the difference. Hmm. And um, so for me, for me, my definition is, is that real word of faith, and that's a real saying, word of faith, always refers, and it's rooted in the gospel and the word of God. That's right. The word of faith is that word that's spoken to a person that they accept by faith. And then when they declare the Lord Jesus Christ, they are saved. And they do that by believing the word. That's right. And proclaiming it. That's right. So there is a real word of faith biblically. Also the word of faith or speaking a word of faith, declaring something to be so needs to be scriptural. In other words, it always has to align with God's purpose and will always has to align with God's purpose and will. The phony word of faith movement uh, or name it and claim it, blab it and grab it that a lot of these televangelists do, mainly they use it for prosperity teaching, is based on needs. I'm I'm sorry, it's based on wants, but not on needs. Mm -hmm. So what they do is they just take a scripture... (coughs) Out of context. Yeah. Basically is what they do. They take it out of context and they say, you know, God doesn't want you to be poor. God wants you to have this yellow Lamborghini. And so you claim it to be so. You claim it, you know, or mm-hmm. more than likely they're taking up an offering for their own ministry. And they use Malachi. They'll use Malachi 3.8. You know, are you going to rob God? Blah, blah, blah. And then they'll say something like, uh, the year 2020, God told me when I got down from the mountain after 40 days of fasting and praying that it's the year of increase. And if you sow a seed into our ministry, if you sow that seed, God's going to give you a hundred, a thousand, a million fold. That's right. And uh, so you just claim that million fold. So people want money. They want wealth. They want riches. They're not aligned with the word of God or aligned with God's purpose or aligned with God's will. That's not word of faith. That's not speaking and declaring something in existence in accordance to God's will. When someone accepts Christ and they confess Jesus Christ with their mouth, that is speaking their salvation, speaking their faith into existence because it's aligned to God's will. For God so loved the world that 
he gave his only begotten son so that whoever should believe would be saved and not perish. That's right. Right? So that's all we're going to cover with that. Mm-hmm. Don't need to do a whole show on that. That's pretty. Yes. You have to use discernment. Right, Mr. Fountain? Yep. Discernment. When you hear stupid people like televangelists, certain people, and they're stupid and they're saying stupid things, in your spirit, you have to discern, like John says, that, you know, is this spirit telling me Jesus Christ came in the flesh? You can't just go, this spirit say Jesus Christ came in the flesh? Yes. No, it's not that. It's the totality of the gospel. Or what they saying, does it align with Jesus Christ? Does it align with God becoming flesh, dying on the cross for sins, shedding his blood, being put into a grave, resurrecting three days later, seated on the right side of the Father, becoming the high priest, giving you the Holy Spirit to seal you to the day of redemption? It's the totality. Is that spirit aligned with the gospel or not? Exactly. What you're hearing, is it aligned or not? Because if it's not totally aligned with God becoming flesh, it's a doctrine of demons and it has to be shut down. Mm-hmm. Period. That's how you tell. So when you're hearing a word of, you know, word of faith movement or name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, that's the criteria. Where's the gospel of Jesus? Where is God in this nonsense? Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, so Claudio says he was doing a study in 2 Chronicles 20. Mm-hmm. It's a great story. It's about Jeho- Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat, and his prayer against an overwhelming enemy coming against Judah. Mm-hmm. And so when he heard our podcast a couple of weeks ago, he thought that his study had complemented the podcast quite well. And, and it really did, and it blessed us. And so we're going to share his, his insight, because this is a uh, listener's insight, and it's very good. Uh, so Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 3 says... Uh, the verse 3 says, Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news. And the news, what happened was, is that uh, the armies of the Moabites and the Ammonites and some of the Mennonites were declaring uh, war against Jehoshaphat. And so this uh, vast army was coming from Edom and was marching towards uh, Jehoshaphat's kingdom. And so... Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. So he recognized, Jehoshaphat recognized this overwhelming um, enemy that's coming against them. And what's important is that he acknowledges his fear but seeks God through proclaiming a fast in the land. Mm -hmm. So what's interesting to me, what I catch in this is prayer and fasting is... uh, Essential for spiritual warfare. It is. It's for a deeper spiritual need. Um, This isn't your typical, I lay me down to sleep prayer or Mm -hmm. saying grace over food. God, give us this day our daily bread. It's not just a little prayer you say. This is deep spiritual need prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's prayer that is deep. It's when Jesus talked about the, the demoniac kid that, that his disciples couldn't cast out. And so um, the, the father goes up to Jesus when he comes down off the mountain and says, uh, Lord, I brought my demon possessed boy to your disciples and they were worthless. They couldn't do anything. To help him. And Jesus gets a little miffed at him and says, oh, you stupid of little faith. How come you don't believe? Bring him here to me. So after he cast the demon out of the kid, later on, the disciples say, how come we couldn't do it? You know, and he says, you got to have faith. But he says, however, this kind only go out by prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. In other words, it takes a deeper spiritual investigation to these things. It's not deliverance 101. And there's knows a lot of people, you know, that just that's all they know is deliverance 101. So even in our case, you know, we do get a lot of, well, you know, you got to repent. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to, you know, do this with oil. You got to do that. And so believe me, you know, we've done there's nothing that you could tell us to do that we haven't done. Mm-hmm. We've done all this stuff. 
this is a much deeper spiritual thing that requires prayer and fasting, but not just not just the acts of prayer and fasting, the actual symbolism of it is going deeper into a spiritual investigation of what the heck this thing is and how to deal with it and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the lessons learned from it. Right. So that's what this kind of thing is. And Jehoshaphat, this this overwhelming army's coming at him and he's got to dig deeper, you know, on this kind. Can I read the prayer that he, he yes, made? Yes, please. He said, he prayed, O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are a ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. O oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. And they said, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. Yeah. And so he just uses God's own words, you know, to him. Mm-hmm. In verses 5 and 9, uh, he reminds God of his promise you know, promises to Judah, and he speaks out loud before the assembly. So he's speaking it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we're to do with God's word as well. Yeah, you're going to speak it out. In verse 12, he describes her helplessness and asks, Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Then in verses 15 through 17, a prophet... Uh, God's prophet speaks and says um, in verse 15 through 17, go ahead and read that. Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. You know, I love how God always says that. Even in the New Testament, Jesus always says, fear not, right? Fear not. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming through the accent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jehul. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. And uh, the fear, and that's it's mentioned several times, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, because fear is the opposite of faith. Mm-hmm. So after that um, announcement, the King Jehoshaphat, he bowed, he bowed low with his face to the ground, and so did all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, and they worshipped the Lord. Yeah, and this is what Claudio uh, wrote, you know, in his in his study. He says, but there was something that he needed to do, and that was to believe God's word in giving them victory, to march towards the enormous power of the enemy in faith then to stand firm and hold their ground on the battlefield and finally to see the salvation of the Lord come to pass before their eyes as spectators and not as participants. So I like the way he worded that. Now that could not have been easy to do. Mm-mm. That'd be that'd be very difficult to do and you had to have a lot of faith um, in, in your God to go do that. Um, the other thing is he's, uh, Claudio wrote that uh, wrote us to said that it's interesting that the word see before the words the salvation you know uh, that you will you'll see God's salvation in this mm-hmm. he says in the ancient Hebrew pictographs means plow or mark the pictograph is a picture of an ox then there's like a cross a mark is a picture of a two cross sticks used to make a sign or a mark and combine these pictures represent an ox moving towards a mark, like when plowing a field, the plowman drives the oxen towards a distant mark in order to keep the furrow straight. So in other words, keep focused on God. Mm-hmm. Don't look to the right. Don't do the left. Don't go here. Don't go there. Just stay straight and it'll work out. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, here we go with the, the words or speaking out with the mouth. In verse, let's see. So in verses 18 through 19, uh, read those verses. 
Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Korath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. So Claudio writes us, Jehoshaphat's response was to show reverence to God by worshiping and praising him with exceeding loud voice. And he wrote, exceeding loud voice, bolded. Can you imagine that? Exceeding loud voice. Mm-hmm. You know. we, yeah, and you know what? That's the uh, verse 21. Well, let me read 20 and okay. go through 21 because I think that's where he's um, okay. was writing about. But it says, Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. And after consulting the people, the king approached singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Yeah, so he's worshiping and praising with exceeding loud voice, speaking the word into existence in faith before the battle was even fought. Mm -hmm. And you know what that does too? Uh, When you praise like that, it gets rid of fear because you can't be praising like that and be afraid at the same time. No. Yeah. I mean, you can, yeah. but I mean, but it, it drives it out. Yeah. It reminds me of a fervent and effectual prayer availeth much, right? There's just sometimes these kind only go out by prayer fasting, right? Mm-hmm. So Jehoshaphat stands before Judah before marching toward the battlefield, reinforces faith towards God by speaking it out before his army like you read, Claudio writes, believe in Yahweh your God, so shall you be established before his prophets, so shall you prosper. And he goes into a little word study here about established being the same Hebrew word as believed. I'll come back to this. Your notes are here. Mm-hmm. To me, this scripture could read, believe in the one true God and believe in his spoken word through his prophets and your faith will be established. And he noticed that the uh, the Hebrew pictograph for the word established is firm kind sure it's a it's of water or blood mm. liquid blood and a pitcher of seed representing continuance so in combination these mean blood continues each species each kind continues by passing its blood to the following generation which comes from the parent also the idea of strength of blood so that's that's interesting because when he's taught he then claudio says when we're born again it's the blood of Christ that's our breastplate of righteousness. It's his blood that connects us to the Father and makes us all one in himself. It is his blood that establishes us firmly with the shoes of the gospel of peace, which gives us the access to himself that we, we may receive mercy, grace, and a great inheritance in his kingdom. You know what I also so, like? What I also just heard when you were saying all that was that um, the blood of Jesus is continual. Yeah. It's eternal established it's yeah it goes on it goes from generation to generation to generation for all eternity yes exactly and you know uh we're also talking about um praising god before our battles um there's other examples in the scriptures or in the yeah in the uh, scriptures where gideon gideon sang um song before his battle in judges and um joshua uh, the priest led um, a, a, the led procession with his, their instruments when they went to defeat um, Jericho, and then also Paul and Silas when they were in jail, they were praising the Lord. Yeah. And we're told in Ephesians and Colossians to um, sing praises to one another in psalms and hymns as so, well. So there's so power. It's a, there's spirit. It's a spiritual warfare weapon yeah. of praise and uh, thanksgiving. There's power in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's power in our words, right? Yes. And Claudio writes in his his study here, it says the, this verse, um, oh, I'm sorry. Wait, I got ahead of myself. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's what we were talking about in verse 21. The singers and praisers of, praisers of God were placed in front of the soldiers in the army to make a joyful noise. So through the words of their mouths, in the truth of his word, to give thanks for the victory before the battle was even won. Mm-hmm. 
Yep, they were already giving thanks to the Lord. So the words were already declaring and chewing and ingesting and manifesting the reality to make it so. Yep, and they were telling him uh, the Lord that he is faithful and his faithful love endures forever. Yeah, yeah, the hope of our salvation. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, in the first teaching we gave, we talked about how Jesus says it's what comes out of the mouth, what out of the person through the mouth that defiles them, not what goes in. Mm-hmm. And so we took that. It's also what comes out of your mouth that should make you uh, clean, you know, and pure. Also, so what comes out of your mouth shouldn't be defilement. So inside of you, what comes out should be pure and clean. So your words, your words are important um, to have that truth activated in your heart. Right. Um, so the verse we just read there seems to indicate that praise and worship goes before faith or at least is part of faith. Right. Right. Uh, let's see. So then Claudio writes that in verse 22, he believed that was a key verse. Uh, when they began to sing and to praise, Yahweh set ambushers against the uh, enemies. Mm. So that's when they began, verse 22, that's when the Lord set ambushers to ambush the enemies. Yeah, it says that after they um, gave thanks to the Lord and said his faithful love endures forever, it says that at that very moment, so at that very moment, they began to sing and give praises, and the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sur to start fighting among themselves. The armies of the Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Sir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Sir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see, and not a single one of the enemies had ex- had escaped. So that's that exactly what the Lord had told um, King Jehoshaphat what was going to happen. It's amazing. And it's amazing that in this story, there's so much verbal words and praise and singing that goes before the actual action. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. It's important. Um, so I'm going to wrap this up from Claudio, and then we're going to go to Jennifer Schaefer, one of her things that she sent me. She had some insight that was pretty interesting also. So Claudio says it starts with speaking the words of faith, but the other thing he noticed in those scriptures is to have joy in, in our hearts mm-hmm. on the promises of God, which in turn gives us that vision that transcends our immediate troubles. Mm-hmm. I like the way he wrote that. To have joy in our heart on the promises of God, which in turn gives us that vision that transcends our immediate troubles. Because mm-hmm. the joy is, is on God. Right. So then he says, he ends it by, just as Jesus looked beyond the humiliation of the cross to the joy that was awaiting him, so can we through his Holy Spirit. Um, Which is the fruit of the Spirit, is joy. That's right. Everything is possible to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So thank you, Claudio from uh, Winnipeg for that insight a very good insight that was very good yeah thank you for the prayers also appreciate it yes thank you um and then jennifer shaver uh wrote some stuff that i thought was was real good mm-hmm. it's not very long just, just a couple of things um but i before we go there i just want to thank everybody for your prayers and stuff as you notice on facebook page you saw my face with um scars or not scars but <laughs> Owies, abrasions. Injuries. So last uh, Friday, last Friday, I was in the, I had just got done praying in the morning. I'm not kidding you. I just got done praying. Um, I I was seated in the seated position. And I just got done praying to the Lord and praying in the spirit and all bit. And then I began to read the word. And I was reading Matthew 7 and 8. And um, I had just got done reading about the the demoniac at uh, you know had a legion in him and all that stuff, and I, re- I was reading about Jesus' healings and things. And I was at the point of the paralytic that was brought to him, 
and how he said, your sins are forgiven. And then the religious leaders didn't like it. And then the words Jesus knew it was in their hearts. And at that point, I started having a, a coughing spell mm-hmm. because I've had this. I got sick last week. I got mm-hmm. the crud. Uh, Miss Cabal's got a little cold right now. Mm-hmm. And I started coughing real bad and uh, it, it wouldn't break up. And uh, what happened is the lights went out. I lost consciousness, fell forward. And what, what happened is I had readers on. I didn't realize that till a day later. But I had my these glasses on. And I face-planted against the wall. And then that scraped up my nose and gave me, it blooded me up. So when I came to, Miss Kapow was uh, yelling, are you okay? And I was yelling and screaming. And um, I didn't know what happened. Then I came to and then uh, we went to the emergency room and they did all kinds of, they did everything. And basically I'm okay. Uh, Yeah, praise the Lord. I had some high blood pressure that uh, they wanted to deal with, but that was okay. We couldn't figure out what the injuries were at first because they Mm -hmm. they weren't consistent with a flat wall. But then Saturday, um, when I replicated the thing, I realized, oh, I had glasses. When I put the glasses on, they hurt. And that's why, because I had the marks. But anyway, Mm -hmm. thank you guys for for praying for me and everything like that. And we'll go from there. Recently, spiritual attacks on innocent people have increased considerably. This is partly due to society's transformation into a satanic cult. Most people are clueless or hopeless in combating this spiritual mayhem. We wish to offer two good books to overcome these attacks. First, Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare offers one of the most effective training systems in combating spiritual darkness in order to gain personal freedom. Second, Eyes to See Unseen Enemies teaches how to see the hidden dangers which are all around us, even in places we would least expect them. Both books can be purchased on Amazon.com as a paperback or ebook. It is our desire that you will take advantage of these opportunities to increase your effectiveness in spiritual warfare and learn how to fight back instead of being a victim. We'll see you on the battlefield. So uh, Jennifer Schaefer, she she uh, wrote me via Facebook on, on this teaching on the word and it blessed her and stuff. And that's really cool. We love hearing that. Mm-hmm. And... Um, God bless on a lot of things. But one of the things she said, I thought this was really good. She says um, that she found some more reference to this in 2 Peter 2, 22. And uh, she says, well, I'm looking at all of that chapter because there's a lot to unpack. But that verse spoke to the fact that Jesus did not sin, nor was there any guile found in his mouth. Mm-hmm. And he says that too about Nathaniel. Remember when he saw him under the yes, fig tree? Yes. And it's a uh, scripture in Proverbs as well. Is it really? Well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That in our Lord Himself, there's no guile in His mouth. So, what defiles a man is what comes from within. It's from what comes within defiles a man. So, because the Lord was sinless. There was no guile in his mouth. But then if he also says that about Nathaniel, Mr. Nathaniel was a good, good Jewish man at the time, following the law rightly. So, I mean, it's an example of us. Did you find that scripture? Oh, I, I didn't know if you were looking that up or not. Um, that she mentioned, 2.22. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. You find okay, Second Peter 2.22 says... They prove the truth of this proverb, a dog returns to its vomit, and another says, a washed pig returns to the mud. Is that what she... Second Peter 2.22? Uh-huh. You know what? I bet you she meant First Peter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First Peter says, uh, he never sinned nor yes. ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Once you were like sheep who, who wandered away, but now you have returned to your shepherd 
and the guardian of your souls. Yeah, thank you. That makes more sense yeah, than washing like pigs. I was like, oh, I don't know. Um, so she writes, he spoke rightly truth. And then she says, I'm greatly convicted in this area because even though, and, and I, I love the way she wrote this, even though I try not to say the wrong things, it is not the same as speaking the right things. Mm-hmm. Beautiful saying right there. Even though I try not to say the wrong things, it is not the same as speaking the right things. And it kind of reminds me of that saying. We have a neighbor that uh, always says, you know, my mom taught me if you have nothing good to say, don't say anything at all. Which usually translates to they don't like it. So if you were to say, um, Sandy, what do you think of my new song? She would just look at me and say, well, mom said, if I have nothing good to say, don't say nothing at all. So what does that translate to? I don't like it. The saying itself is saying, mm-hmm. uh, it's not good. I have nothing good to say about it. So we need more than to just refrain from wrong words, but must speak right words. So the right words are contained in what? Scripture. It's truth. You have to do truth. And so... um, Anyway, you know, I, I thought that was really good the way she wrote that. She says, pray that God keeps me in line as I try to incorporate this teaching into my daily life. And um, that, that's that's a good prayer. It's a good goal to reach for. Okay. Oh, oh, and I was wrong. I was looking up that scripture about the guile. Uh-huh. And it's in Psalms 32, 2. It says, bless the man whom, unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and whose spirit there is no guile. So I thought that was interesting when he um, came to Nathanael, because it says here that Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Mm -hmm. You know, and then... um, In, there's no guile. So the mouth can't speak guile, they don't have it in them. Yeah, and then uh, then the 1 Peter 2.22, about Jesus who did no sin, and neither was guile found in his mouth. But Peter also says... For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain from his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Mm. Oh, you know, and Jennifer even says that. She says uh, that Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5 talks about this too. She says, um, this is turning into quite a fascinating study. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing that too as well. Yeah, she says, the more I look... Um, <laughs> the more it, it's reinforced in the scripture. Mm-hmm. It is. It's everywhere. Well, about re- the, the, the mouth, the words. Revelation 14.5 says, And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are with fault before the throne of God. That's true. It's talking about the uh, the, the the ones that follow the lamb, right? Yep. Is that the 144? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I think so. Yes, it is. Are they rede- redeemed from the earth? These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. It's interesting. In their mouth find no, no guile. And then Jesus says, it's not what goes into the mouth of a man that defiles him, but what comes out, out. defiles him. And then it goes murderers and envies and jealousies and... Mm-hmm. All this stuff that comes out of the heart. And then we read in Romans, um, you know, 10, 9, that yeah. we confess with the mouth and then and believe, believe with the heart. in the heart. Um, interesting, 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 interesting. So she, uh, she says it's turning to quite the study. Uh, we must always seek to walk closer, but also to model Christ in how he spoke. And I think that is a good point there to model Christ and how he spoke. And she says, if we speak to the spirit life, if we speak to our spirit life, life into ourselves, it is reinforced and its wisdom from God has lived out. But when we feed our soul and our body, the quote unquote truths of this world or demonic truths that are not of God, we are deceived by it. Mm-hmm. So we, we need to walk in the spirit, basically. So what I'm getting out of that. Yep, right? very true. So um, shall we go to Romans? Mm. Or do you have something, do you have something 
else before we hit Ro- uh, Roman? No, no, we can go to Romans. Yeah, let's take the Roman road and go to uh, Romans. Let's start at eight, even though that's like right in the middle of a sentence. It's because I'm, we're talking about the, the mouth and the words, you know. Sure. Ten. Okay, so it's Romans 10, 8, and it begins by saying... Uh-huh. Let's see. In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How far? Okay. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say... How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Yeah. You know, Paul, you know, I'm, I'm going to read in the NLT. Um, you know, it, Paul says the message is very close at hand. It is on <coughs> your lips. First, your lips, then secondary and in your heart. So once again, you have the words and the mouth going before the heart, which seems out of order it seems mm-hmm. to me like the message should be close at hand it should be in your heart and, and then, then you, you speak. speak it out yeah but you see this spiritual principle all over now in the scripture where you're speaking it out and then it's in your heart and um and of course it says the message that you're speaking out is that message of faith now in verse 9 this is the nlt if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. Period. Period. Nothing else added there. Just zit. Sorry. There's no tithes. There's no going to this church or doing that. Or it just says, if you openly declare that Jesus... Now, why is it important to openly declare that Jesus is Lord with your mouth? Well, how come you just couldn't believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Why do you have to openly declare it? Now, we know Jesus says, um, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. Mm-hmm. Um, he who denies me, I will deny. Right. So it's important to be declared. That word has to go out. It's Words are important. Well, if it's important for God to do his debar, his rima, yeah. then it's pretty much important for us to do as well. As right? he says, let there be light, and then there was light. He didn't think it in his heart, and then there was light. He declared it. Yeah, and the Bible teaches us that there's power in our words. Yeah. So in verse 10, it reverses the order and it has the heart first before the declaring. But if you look closely at it, it's still saying the same thing. It says, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. So in other words, it is by believing in your heart that you get legal justification in the court of God. And how are you going to believe in your heart unless you hear that good news or read it or hear it? I'll leave the eyes out of it for right now. Just, you know, you have to hear it. Then that gets inside of you and you go, I believe that. Because the Holy Spirit convicts your heart. Yes, and draws you to that saving faith, saving faith in, in Christ. And so, for it is by believing in your heart that you are now then justified with God. And, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Mm -hmm. Because you've already believed in your heart, so you're going to 
spout it off in your mouth. Yeah. In your um, language. And it is like the openly declaring of it activates your faith. That faith that you're made right, you're justified with God. Now, I'm not saying it's a one-two thing. You know, it's like a simultaneously thing, but it's still, it takes two, it takes both. Mm-hmm. Believe it in your heart that you're made right with God, that you are justified, and then you openly declare that belief, that faith, and now you're saved. Right. You're saved. It's the simplicity of the gospel. It is. Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew, Gentile. Now, verse 13 says, for everyone who calls. How do you call? With your heart? With your mouth. With your mouth. You call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that goes with verse 10. Mm -hmm. You openly declare you'll be saved. You call. And at 14, he asks the question. Paul then says, he asks these questions. But how, how can they possibly call on God to save them unless they believe in him? Mm-hmm. So, in other words, scriptures say everyone who calls on the name of the Lord with your mouth will be saved. But how are they going to call on him to, to, to save them? They don't know that he exists. If they don't, yeah. If they don't believe in him or faith in him, that that calling has anything to do with anything. So that's why you just don't walk down the mall and people are just calling out to God. Save me, save me, we're saying, you know, because they first they have to believe that that will have something to do with their salvation. Mm-hmm. And then he says, and how in the world... Can they believe in God if they've never heard about God? Mm-hmm. So it has to get into their heart or their belief system first before they can then activate it with the mouth. But Paul doesn't stop there. He continues and says, let me ask you another question. And how can they hear about God Unless someone tells them. Mm-hmm. So right there, somebody has to preach the good news. Somebody has to declare it with their mouth mm-hmm. that Christ is Lord so that somebody else can then hear, hear it, it and go, I, I believe it. I believe that. And then call out to him. And they call out to God. I want that which I believe. And then it activates and they're saved. So that shows you how important it is to tell the gospel rather than have a ministry of whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a ministry of finding fault with other ministries. <laughs> you know, or just talking nonsense, you know, uh, arguing over dots and tittles. It's the good news that people have to hear because if they don't hear it, how are they going to believe on him? Mm-hmm. And how, in verse 15, Paul says, he keeps asking questions. Paul says, and how will anyone go and tell them without them being sent? So how, how is anybody going to hear the gospel unless they're being sent? Well, the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news. How beautiful are the feet. It's the uh, shod mm-hmm. with the preparation of the it's gospel. It's part of our armor. Yeah. So God has sent all of us, obviously, Christ in, in the Great Commission, it says, go among all the world and preach the gospel. Tell people the good news. Because mm-hmm. we are out there to destroy the works of the devil, too. Yeah, absolutely. And that's part of it is declaring the, the word of God, mm-hmm. salvation, to bring people in mm-hmm. to save them. Verse 16 is sad because Paul says, but not everyone welcomes the good news. Really? So if I preach it, not everybody's going to welcome it. <sighs> well, it's a spiritual warfare. I mean, the devil has these people's minds um, clouded with darkness. 
Yeah, he's blind them. Mm-hmm. So not everyone. Or he steals the seed or, yeah. you know, Different people are ways. too busy with the world or, you know, there's, there's so many things. So it is a spiritual thing. Yeah. And way back when Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? Or as like the King James says, who believed our report? Right. So not everybody's going to believe it, but you still got to declare it. That's right. So verse 17, here's the deal. Paul concludes. He says, so faith then comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. That's the bottom line. So if you don't hear about Christ, faith can't be activated. So then they can't call out and then they can't be saved. Mm -hmm. Right. And then he goes on from verse 18 on talking about Israel and things like that. But we're going to stop right there, right? Mm-hmm. Salvation is for everyone. And that's everyone. why do we declare it to everybody. Uh-huh. Now, do you, have any, you, do you have anything else to add on that, on a study you were doing, Severny? No. No? Mm-mm. Okay. So I think... That's a nice little going over what we did two weeks ago and just kind of digging a little deeper. Mm-hmm. I like reading the listeners' uh, yeah. emails. And Claudio and Jennifer added to it. Was yeah. Very good. I think they both had some really good insights. Mm-hmm. Um, any studies? And that goes for anybody else who's maybe doing a study on this and you come up with some good insights. We'd be interested in that. Um yeah, feel because free to share. It's, yeah, it's really, really, yeah, share. This is what it's all about, is edifying one another mm-hmm. and building each other up in faith, right? So that we can e- be equipped mm-hmm. to go out and do the work that God would have us to do, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, and I think that's about it, Ms. Kapow. All righty then. You want people, do you want people to keep praying for us? Or oh, yes, definitely. Just keep praying. Okay. That I don't face plant. Yep. And, and um, for my deliverance of this stupid thing. Yeah. She's, uh, you know, Linda's still harassed by this thing. It morphs. It changes. I see positive changes, but they're slow. But I do see positive changes. And when we do get positive changes, the thing comes back like a vengeance. It always does. You know, and once I said, these are deeper spiritual things. This isn't. This isn't, uh, you know, hey, I read a Derek Prince book and this is what he said to do. Or, you know, I watched some YouTube videos on deliverance and this is what to do. Or, you know, I read Demons in My Marriage Bed and they said this is what to do. This is, this is deeper. This is prayer and fasting thing. It's a, it's a deeper investigation. It's a heavier deal. Um, uh, it's... Um, yeah, it's just a, it's a heavy uh, demonic attack that uh, we've been dealing with for, for a while now. It will go away. I declare it. Mm-hmm. I confess it. I And it's in the will of God. In fact, the Lord told me so. But it's not God's purpose and will that a child of God, like Miss Kapow, saved, sealed until the day of redemption, would be tormented by a demonic spirit that is not his will that is not his purpose and in his timing this thing will go away i'm 100 convinced of that but we need prayer to get to that point amen and we need prayer for strength mm-hmm. for discernment amen. for wisdom for guidance amen okay and a lot a lot of strength mm-hmm. and protection <laughs> and protection Okay. So ciao babies. Ciao babies. Good night. Good night.